Welcome to Intimacy Evolution, the podcast that helps you enjoy deeper connection and more intimacy in your relationships. I'm Brianna Carey, relationship and intimacy coach, and together with my husband, Mark, a licensed professional counselor, we're here to help couples create the relationships they crave. Relationships evolve over time, and that's okay. Let's talk about it. Hello and welcome. I am Brianna Carey, one half of this show that I co-host with my husband, Mark. If you are new to our show, welcome. We are so excited to have you. And if you're not new, welcome back. Thank you for your continued support. If you have been around for a while, you know we usually have either a guest interview or it's Mark and I covering various topics um, and having conversations but today is my first solo episode. Yep, you're getting just me today. Um, I felt called to start doing some shorter episodes to answer questions that we receive from clients, listeners, or community. And yes, I love doing the interviews. I love having conversations with Mark. But I also think that like quick bite-sized episodes are super important. And I know that I really enjoy listening to those myself as well as longer episodes, but it's nice to kind of like just sprinkle in those shorter ones. Like if there's like a 15 or 20 minute episode, I'm like, oh, cool. Like I'm going to listen to this while I, you know, bop around on my errands or while I fold a pile of laundry and then it's done and it feels great. Um, and so, yeah, I I say quick. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long this one's going to be. I'm aiming for that 15 to 20 minute mark. So we will see. Uh, but today I'm going to be answering a question that I've received a lot from multiple people, clients, like I said, listeners. I, I get this question a lot um, in, in on Instagram and my DMs and stuff. And that is what conversations should my husband slash partner and I have prior to having a baby? This is a fantastic question. And while I feel like nothing fully prepares you for what life is like after having a baby, my hope is that you'll gather some tips today and feel not so blindsided (laughs) during this transition. And if you have gone through this experience already, maybe you resonate with it and you know that you're not alone in how you were feeling during that time. Maybe it'll give you a little bit of validation. Um, And if you are planning to have kids in the future, maybe this will be, um, you know, help you prepare. So one of the the top things that we talk about is understanding that the relationship dynamics are going to shift. And I think this is the biggest like obstacle for couples is they try to continue doing life (laughs) like they were before they had a baby. And that just doesn't work. You know, speaking from my personal experience, like, I did a lot of the grocery shopping. I did a lot of the meal prep. Well, Mark is a he likes to cook. So he would do a lot of the cooking, but I would do a lot of the prepping and getting the stuff. I would clean the kitchen. I would do the laundry. I would do a, a lot of the domestic stuff, like whatever you want to say about gender roles or whatever. That's how it worked because I worked from home. And after having our first kiddo, I was unable to keep up and I felt a lot of guilt about it 
because I'm like, I'm home. I should, quote unquote, should be able to do all of these things. I was a full-time nursing mom. I was trying to figure out how to be a mom and take care of this tiny baby. And then I was also trying to keep up with my normal like daily tasks and try to run a business on top of that. And that just, that, that doesn't work. And I feel like that is what um, is exacerbating the postpartum depression anxiety spike that we are seeing in women today is because they, they are trying to juggle all of these hats and it's just not possible. And then the resentment starts to set in on top of the guilt. And so it's like this like sandwich you're building. It's like layers of guilt, resentment, stress, anger, guilt, resentment. And it just like keeps piling on top of each other. And, you know, if you don't have somebody you're talking to, like a therapist, um, one, I highly recommend you have a therapist in place for after having baby. Um, and even before baby, like have your support system in place. Um, So I'll get back to that one in a minute, going back to the relationship dynamics. So having this conversation of what do we want life to look like after we have baby? What am I going to need support in? How how do we need to shift this a little bit? So, you know, you're going to be recovering, mom. You're going to be recovering physically, emotionally, mentally after having baby you're not going to be able to stand on your feet for a long period of time doing the dishes, cleaning the house, vacuuming. You can't vacuum. Like vacuums, I don't know, weigh 10 pounds. I don't know, five pounds, eight. I don't know. They weigh more than you should be lifting and maneuvering around the house. Okay. So you're not going to be vacuuming. You're not going to be standing on your feet doing the dishes. All right. Um, so those are things that your partner can start taking over. And having this understanding beforehand is going to help reduce a lot of um, confusion slash feeling blindsided. Um, Because if this conversation comes up later and you guys are kind of both, you know, um, tired, uh, sleep exhaustion, there you go. You're both like sleep deprived and feeling like you're scrambling and then you try to have this conversation with them, they might receive that and go immediately on the defensive. Like they're not doing enough to help you. And then you're going to start feeling a certain way. And then it's just going to go back and forth and create a bigger divide rather than bringing you together. So having this talk beforehand on what they can do, um, you know, some of the stuff that you normally do, they can take over again, talking about physically, which you're not going to be able to do for a little bit. Um, another thing, let's see, we'll just slide into like his role slash your partner's role. Um, their role is to nurture you as you are nurturing the baby. Their role is not to bond with the baby because that will come later. Like it is just not biologically what is going to happen and I, I see and I feel like a, mo- a lot of moms have resentment saying that their partner isn't bonding with the baby when 
I feel like actually they're saying like they're not helping me in a way I feel like they should be. I'm struggling to keep up. And, you know, again, his role is to support you while you are taking care of your baby. Um, biologically, biologically speaking, you carried this baby for nine, 10 months. You are either, you know, nursing, pumping, bottle feeding. You are the provider for this baby. Like they don't know they are separated from you yet. They don't understand that until they're about six, seven, eight months old when they start to kind of like move and, you know, eat different foods and navigate the world. Like they start to understand that you are separate like entities from each other. So it makes sense that the baby will not quote unquote bond with the dad or the other partner that did not carry them for that duration. So I hope that eases that a little bit, that that stress or worry that your partner's not bonding with them. Yes, they can hold the baby. They can love the baby. They're going to smile at the baby. They're going to do those things. Yes. But you are the primary nurturer for the baby. That means that your partner's role is going to be nurturing you. This can look like making sure your water bottle is filled up all the time, that your snack basket. I, I had a snack basket that was easy, um, you know, wherever I was going to pump or, or nurse, like wherever I was going to be with the baby, I had like protein bars, almonds, like different things like that. Easy grab stuff that if, you know, if you've breastfed, you know that you need to increase your calorie intake. And so I would have that. He would make sure my water was done. He would bring me my haka or he would make sure I had my pump ready. He would, especially right after that first week, couple weeks when, you know, you're still bleeding and you're wearing the diapers and, you know, the your ice packs and all the things. Um, my peri bottle, he would make sure that that was filled with warm water for me while I'm navigating all of the other things like you know, one thing that was really helpful at night, you know, I would get up to nurse, but he would get up and he would get my haka for me, which is like a silicone um, kind of bottle contraption that, that suctions onto the other side. So that caught a lot of like the, the overflow, especially those first few weeks when, when the milk supply is like, a, you know, figuring itself out. He'd make sure I had my, my nursing pillow or prop me up. Like when the baby was done, he would take the baby, burp them, change them. Um, while I went to the bathroom, cleaned up if I needed to, like he was supporting me and how I needed support. And yes, he was still doing things for baby as well. So these are things to kind of talk about and understand, um, before having baby. Another thing to do is, is prepping your support team And that can look like family, friends, who's going to come over and help you guys. Depending on if your partner has like leave from work a couple of days, a couple of weeks, what does that look like? And how can your family or friends come in and, and help you clean the house, take care of little errands for you? That way you guys get to, you know, stay in your, your family bubble for a little bit. You get to stay in this cozy space where you are all just kind of 
easing back into the world and not being thrust in it if you have that chance. Um, you know, it's it's really hard for women, I know, to not just ask for help, but receive help. And so prepping yourself before baby to to ask for this, to plan for this, gosh, I wish I would have, I wish I would have asked for more help and not been, I don't know if it's proud or I don't know the right phrasing for it, but I felt if I had to ask for help, then I was not a good mom. If I had to ask for help, then what did that say about me and my abilities? When in reality, we're not supposed to do it alone. There are so many cultures around the world that cherish this time in a woman's life that allow her to be nurtured and cared for so that she can nurture and care for her new tiny baby so her body can heal. And by us not doing this, having this um, be a regular thing in our society, 100% is contributing to the high postpartum depression, anxiety, suicide that we see in postpartum moms. So when you ask for help, that is a sign of strength. It does not mean that you are incapable. It does not mean that you are not a good mom. It means that you're an amazing mom because they tell us we're supposed to do this. Like it takes a village. It takes a village, create your village. Like I said, have, um, a therapist that you talk to before having baby and that you continue seeing after baby because I didn't realize until I was five months postpartum with our second that I was having postpartum anxiety, depression, mom rage, that something was wrong, that, that I needed more support. And I, looking back, for sure had postpartum depression with our first as well, um, because I did. I felt isolated. I felt like I everything was on my shoulders, um, and yeah, it's not like so. Have your support team. Have friends that'll come over and again help around the house, or will look after baby while you do something for yourself. Take a shower. Maybe you want to just go for a walk. You just want to go get some movement. Be outside. However that looks. And another thing that I saw, I actually it was like a, an Instagram reel, and it was um, a mom talking about how she her recovery process. And it was like, she spent five, the first five days being in bed. The next five days she stayed in her bedroom. And then the, the other five days was like easy moving through the house. She wasn't doing anything again, wasn't cleaning the dishes or, or, you know, doing vacuuming laundry or anything like that, but she was just kind of moving and, and that's allowing her to 
her body to adjust and heal. Um, I will try to find the link for it because it was really good. I'm, I'm, I, but I'm pretty sure it was like 15 days, the first 15 days, like how she supported herself um, and easing back into things after having baby. Another thing in this time frame where you're prepping is having meals that are easy crock pot or frozen where you can just throw them in the oven. Um, use paper plates for the first couple of weeks. Like don't stress about doing the dishes and cleanup. Make things as simple as possible for you and your family. And again, ask for help. If you have like you, your friend or your your mom or your aunt makes a really delicious meal, like ask them to make that for you and put it in the freezer or they can drop it by for you one day. And then the other part is is creating time for the two of you to connect when possible. Now, understanding the first two weeks, like things are going to be a blur. As you start to come out of that blur, that kind of blissful two week yummy cocoon where you're, you know, starting to to integrate back into life a little bit um, when baby is napping, maybe you guys cuddle in bed. Or on the couch, maybe you catch up on a show or watch a movie. Maybe you read a book together. Um, maybe it looks like he holds you while you cry. And it doesn't have to be about anything in particular, but <laughs> maybe they just hold you and, and again, cuddle. And if feelings come up, let it come up and come out. Keeping it in is what contributes to that stress, the resentment, the anxiety, the depression. Um, so just slowly integrate this, you know, um, know that it's not going to be a lot at first. Come into this with zero expectations <laughs> because you can be like, okay, well, it's been two weeks. It's time for us to start, you know, connecting again and let's cuddle and do this. And, you know, maybe she's like, I'm not ready for this yet. And again, um, understanding that she might not want touch at all during this time. She's going to be touched out. She has a tiny person attached to her all the time. Okay. So maybe it's not cuddling for, for weeks or a couple of months. Maybe it is just sitting side by side on the couch, being together. Go sit outside. Get some fresh air while baby's napping. Take baby out there with you in the bassinet. That's fine. Go for a walk when you're starting to feel like you can walk. Um, do a puzzle together. Uh, play a card game. Um, like, don't always make it a screen. I know it's really easy to do that because you're exhausted and sometimes it's just nice to zone out and disconnect. but it'll be a lot more impactful when you're intentional about the time that you are spending together. So I think that about sums it up. And if you have any questions about this specific topic, feel free to message me, DM me on Instagram. Um, or if you have another question that you would like an answer to, shoot me a message. I would love to jump on here and answer as many questions as possible to support you all in this. Um, because again, we're not doing this alone. It does take a village and having as 
many support people as possible in your village will only lift you up and make it that much more doable. So I hope this was helpful. If you know somebody that is going through this um, time in their life as well, and you think that this would be helpful, please share it with them. Um, Share it on your Instagram, tag us in it as well. We would love to see um, and connect with you all. So I hope you all have a wonderful day and we will see you on the next episode.